But without further ado, introduce once again Dean Matthews to you and Edwin Omar. Gentlemen, hello, welcome back. Hello, Sandy, Naji Megan, and Mabu Ngoranganich to you and the listeners out there. Yeah, hey, it's good to be back uh, here again. It's good to see you again, Edwana. <laughs> You've been busy out on country. The last time we touched base, you were flying drones. Yeah, uh, yeah, as I said, I think last time I was out having a talk with you, we were talking about some of the seagrass monitoring that was being done using uh, the drone methods. Uh, but recently, some of the work I've been involved in with drone work has been mangrove mapping. So... A part of that has been going out to places like Thangu, uh, Portsmouth, and Padu, and basically getting some overview, overview, high-intensity shots of what the mangroves look like from aerial shots. And in these shots, we go to areas that are low density and high density with the mangroves. And with enough of these sites photographed, we, we basically use these as ground-truthing sites to match them up with satellite imagery from other satellite programs and other i guess scientists uh, are able to use these imagery to correlate all over the kimberley and kind of get give us an entire idea of the entire density and health of mangroves throughout the entire kimberley wow obviously that falls into the grand plan with what the land and sea management are doing, Dean. Tell us more there. That certainly is, Sandy. It's and it's great, you know, to share over the years that you know the ten years that I've been within the organisation and, and coming to talk to you um, and, and talked about our land and sea program. Um, to sit here today and listen to Ed um, express, um, you know, the capacity that he's been building within the unit over the time. Um, you know, it's an asset for us in the community. We have, um, you know, young Yaru men now and women within the program. Um, building capacity and, and, you know, stepping up into um, specific roles within the team. Um, and very pleasing to hear Ed talk and, and, and just watch him grow in that space. Um, you know, technology is, 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 you know, we're in the, in the, um, living in a world of technology. Um, they always said the fourth industrial revolution will be around data and, and technology. So how do we move into that space as, um, you know, indigenous people? Um, so yeah, um, great to see Ed, um, you know, uh, working with the scientists and researchers. Um, that we've been heavily involved with. So I, um, as, as you know, I, I chair the Joint Marine Park Board for Yaru, and I sit on the um, Yaru Park Council, but heavily involved within the Joint Management Program um, with Department of Biodiversity Conservation and Attractions. Um, you know, we're in the implementation phase now of our Joint Management Program, um, Yaru and the state. So we have the Yaru Joint Management Program and the Yaru Joint Management Ranges. Uh, based over there at uh, uh, DBCA, and we also have the Yaru Country Managers, both the Wamba and Jandu teams. Um, but it's great to see um, the petition of, of the investment into our community um, and our young young people, and what's in this space around um, trying to, cr- um, you know, our, our philosophy within the team is to create Mabu Buru, um, Mabu Naglagun Buru as well, healthy, you know, land and, and sea country for us. Um, as development starts to occur around the, um, and I say increasing development around the township of Broome, how do we protect those cultural and environmental assets that um, that, that people come here um, to value? It's a value to us as a community, um, indigenous community as well, um, but also 
the township of Broome, you know, um, as it grows, um, a lot of our uh, culturally significant areas are starting to, uh, I suppose, feel the pressure of that. How do we protect these things? And, you know, through this, the work that Ed's been doing around geospatial mapping, um, we're using mapping as a tool that one can communicate um, the work that we're doing on country, but also that mapping is a communication tool back to our uh, stakeholders that we're um, working with and also our community so we can reflect uh, our work um, always believed and, and, and the sayings um, goes that uh, maps speak a thousand languages um, everybody can communicate around a map and maps are good uh, um, starting points for uh, having a, a conversation and trying to you know see where um, each other's values do exist so you know Yaru um, has a you know we come from that philosophy of, of the living cultural landscape how do we protect that Bugarigara from you know in in modernity now so you know um, so we, we have to adapt and look at um, tools and processes that aren't um, you know there's no guiding principles we have to develop them as we go along so it's quite um, an exciting space to be in um, and to see our young team um, you know building the capacity in that space as well um, yeah so it's quite um, you know uh, great work that we're doing we're doing mapping seagrass um, and a lot of this is feeding back into um, obviously the significance of Roebuck Bay, um, both internationally as a um, from an environmental perspective, but also very culturally significant from us. You know, um, we uh, you know Yarra people and, and indigenous people that reside around uh, you know Broome, um, we're saltwater people, and um, we have to protect our bay and, and the marine resources that it provides us, um, which it has done for thousands of years and needs to do so um, moving forward for the future generations. So how do we? Um, try to, uh, you know, implement that through the work that we do within the land and sea unit, but also overall within Yarrow. So this obviously works in with the satellites mapping, the layering of collecting this data, uh, putting all of uh, those places in spots where they should be and what's the surrounds like. Is it very similar to that with the technology you're using it yeah i mean it's it's getting idea of what's happening baseline on the ground so satellite imagery is good but it's not that advanced that it can at least not the ones that we have is advanced enough to give you the right down to the gory details of what's happening on the ground the difference between the green from a tree leaf versus the green of maybe the reflection of the water underneath or even on some bad days a picture might get taken where it's a bit windy and that slight bit of wind will just change the entire way the greenness of an image looks so by going out on ground using the drone picking this particular time of day how the and making sure you have the right wind you can get as accurate as you can for the imagery and with that accuracy satellite imagery can match up that individual colors of what makes this image look the same in comparison to an image that we didn't go out and take drone imagery from. And by comparing those two, you can have a baseline of what everything looks like on ground. Wow. <laughs> Stunning. It's amazing what technology is able to do these days, isn't it? Yes. Um, and, and, you know, um, when you put climate change into context, um, we can start to map um, erosion, um, um, you know, um, and, and landscape change um, through the satellite, um, you know, that, that as data becomes more freely available. 
So I'm not too sure. The other night they they um, launched Landsat 9, which is uh, the new um, satellite that obviously we're, we're obtaining data from Landsat 8. And and when we talk about why we talk about eight Landsat 8 is is there's eight bands that are coming down from the satellite that you know obviously traverse across the the country as the as the satellites you know orbiting the Earth. Um, but that data was quite expensive um, a couple of years ago when I started in the space of geospatial mapping uh, in the organisation. And as we move forward, um, that data is becoming freely available for people like us, you know, Indigenous organisations. It's not a cost anymore. The cost is more around the, um, the you know, the obtaining the imaging and, and, and cleaning it up. Um, so when we talk about cleaning up, it has to be cloud-free days, um, you know, from the, the data analysis side of things. They're like cloud-free days. So that's when you get the best um, reflective signature coming through so there's no distortion in the imagery and... But then you can play around with those, that data set and, and extrapolate um, and, and do many things. Um, we can look at you know density of greenness in, in trees, and we can look at um, moisture in, in the ground through those images. Um, but it's pretty powerful, uh, and I think this is where the space we need to go to. As um, you know, we're moving into the space around monitoring, evaluation, reporting, and, and information. So we want information to inform us about what we're doing on country. Um, our investment in, into those projects. So we, it, it's, um, you know, we want the data and information to, to be telling us what we're doing and, and is it getting better or is it getting worse? And then we can adapt to those, um, our, our practices in regards to our projects. So it's, um, a very, uh, slow process at the moment. We're just building the capacity internally in the organization, but it's, um, it's coming together for us. And, um, uh, probably leading in the space is an indigenous organization in, in context of, um, when you look back into it, Sandy, about implementing its native title rights, um, you know, through a native title determination. So we can reflect that um, we're managing and protecting country through that process, but also trying to also create economic opportunities. So we provide a fee for service for some of the work we do now. Um, and then that's, you know, through an environmental services um, sort of framework where we um, generate income from the work we do. Um, so it's about building capacity in the team and then... Um, Gives us the capacity to go out and 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 you know um, provide some of this work for those other stakeholders that we're working with. Um, Ed and I have had, had to go and you know get our commercial drone licenses, so we actually um, can commercially fly in commercial airspace. Um, and that yeah, that's um, been been part of the journey. So yeah, congratulations, Dean. Wow, you too. You're flying away with wings there. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Edwin, how do you feel about being armed with technology now these days? Uh, well, I mean, I guess growing up, like technology for me has been always kind of prevalent. It's kind of just the, the age that I grew up in. But um, it's been good going out on country, doing the work and kind of helping integrate doing technological work out there in the field and it kind of makes it a bit more uh, a bit more comfortable in that space working with the drones or working with the database work or the mapping programs to try and figure out what's going on in country and how I can use those skills to help maintain country while we're working. Oh, Jay, it's such a useful tool to have, especially the way... Life is at the moment very rushed or very busy for mm. a lot of people out there to have assistive technology. It seems to be very much the future. 
Yes. Um, it's crazy that in, in the last couple of years, and if we looked at COVID and the impacts of COVID too as well, so we've been monitoring that from a from some, I suppose, uh, from a, uh, you know, looking at the impacts of, of COVID. So if we looked at um, this year, we've seen more people travelling through um, Western Australia and, you know, more growing, grey nomads, I suppose, um, uh, backpacker fraternity, but that puts pressure on country too as well. Um, you know, if you don't have the right... Um, Infrastructure or processes in place. Um, we've seen um, the pressure of, of uh, uh, the, the uh, population movement this year um, in impacting some of the in-town conservation estates and in out-of-town conservation estates. Um, through no fault of their own, I think people are just travelling generally. Um, but you know, um, you know, there's a lot of camping. You know, they look at it as bush, but um, you know, we're having to deal with then the um, pressures that have come from that. So it's. Um, so, yeah, it's a sort of double-edged sword where we want people to come and, and enjoy the country um, and spend money in Broome because obviously the local economy requires on, you know, that that um, the tourist dollar. <laughs> um, but also we want, you know, when the, when people are here to um, respect country and, and, and um, acknowledge that, you know, it is um, Yarra country or, you know, um, indigenous people's lands. And, you know, I think the Dampier Peninsula would be feeling some of the pressure um, as we, we are here um, with the new road. Um, so... It's trying to manage that as well amongst the other, you know, great work that we're doing. Um, it's just managing the users of our country as well. Gee, our conversations have come a long way since uh, beach erosion and just getting rangers up and out there. We've even got country managers operating such as Edwana now these days. Yourself, uh, Dean, has uh, certainly made a big leap in land and sea matters. And uh, just going back to a topic we've discussed before, are people still fidgeting or taking away those life rings uh, that are set up at Gantian Point there? Because there was a bit of a problem with uh, souvenir grabbers. Yeah, no, unfortunately we haven't had them, um, so that's been great. You know, um, we've just put some new signage out there as well through the Joint um, Management Program, so the Yarra Conservation State. Um, so that people are starting to see that um, we've put some uh, cultural sensitive um, signage out there to, to inform people that the area is very culturally sensitive. It, it, it just tries to ask people to respect the area, um, and that seems to be working. So, and I think the um, communication piece from the Shire as well that went out... Um, so and and obviously people um it's a it's a life-saving matter um so we haven't had any incidents that I have known in the last couple of months so which is great I think um you know people are now acknowledging that that it, what it's there for um is is for uh, the purposes of saving lives um in the event of um an emergency um so we just ask people to respect those rings um because you never know when you might um require them well, October is known for the month of high tides uh, there. Dean, Edwana, thank you both for coming in. Thank you, Sandy. Yeah, I mean, that's probably another one we could touch on some point. You know, the two equinox cycles that we get as part of our, in our country here, we get, the, this is the second half of the year. When we get September, we'll have big tides, you know, and people like to go out and swim off the rocks there at Ganthium. We just encourage them to, um, yeah, be safe or be mindful about their activities. Well, there you go. There's the door and you're always welcome. Thank you, Sandy. Matthews, thank you once again for touching base with us.
It's always a pleasure to come in. Dean Matthews with the Land and Sea Management Unit and Edouard Omar, one of our fantastic country managers. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Kalamabu.